Welcome back to another episode of the Odd or God Pod, where we talk about sobriety, spirituality, and everything in between. This week, we have a very special episode. Our guest is a leadership trainer. He is a published author of the book, Keep the Change, on how you can apply the 12 steps of recovery to a leadership role in life and, and whatnot. And above all else, he's known as a wonderful father, husband, and follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's my pleasure to introduce Bart. Bart, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Eric, what's up, buddy? What's up, thanks, man? Thanks for having me. That, that was good. That was such a good intro. I want to hear that again. Will you say that again, please? Yeah. This is good. Hey, um, so again, my name's Bart, and yes, I have had an opportunity to walk this. I love the name of the podcast, Odd or God Pod. Uh, the reality is I'm both. I'm very odd, and yet I'm very proud to be part of where God wants me to be. So I've got, between my wife and I, we have, we're blended, meaning I was married before she had kids, I had kids. We came together eight, a little over eight years ago. And between the two of us, we have 10 kids and 12 grandkids. 12 will be in January. But we are blessed, absolutely. If anybody had said to me once upon a time, Bart, this is who you're going to be. You're going to live in Arizona and you're going to have all these kids and you're going to, this is where your life is going to take place. And you'll have written a book about your recovery story. I would have said, absolutely no way. You know what I mean? This is not what I thought was going to happen. I, I thought I was going to be Tony Robbins. I yeah. That, yeah. So this is not quite at all the way the way I thought it was going to be. But I love my journey. I love what's happening. I, 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 I'm really in awe of how God's using me. Right, man. And it's funny, you know, that not quite Tony Robbins, but I think in a way, I mean, you do have a platform and, and you are doing, you know, what you love. And uh, Bart also has his own podcast, Keep the Change, where he has, uh, it's a weekly podcast where he has different guests on and stuff. So we'll have a link on the screen um, and also in the bio if you guys want to check that out. But um, let, we just jump right into it, man. Um, and you kind of guide us and let us know where you want to start. But I'm, I'm just, I'm curious to learn more about you. I'm oh. curious. Thank to you. learn more about your story I, I met bart about i would say four to five months ago um and you know we've been slowly kind of getting to know each other better so this is a great opportunity yeah, and i'm yeah. super excited to, yeah. to hear you out well you know i think i have a very good uh, intuitive concept of people if that's a good choice of words together but i always felt that you're a cool dude man you're you've, you got the smile on your face you're oh. a great leader obviously i knew you through wade now mary and i my wife mary and i co-founded a celebrate recovery if you don't know what celebrate recovery is it's a 12-step program based on principles of jesus christ and we started it at our church a year ago, September. It was actually September twelfth, two thousand twenty-two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then September eleventh, two thousand twenty-three was our one-year anniversary. But before we did that, before we actually started at the church, this is kind of a big deal. It's kind of a pain, frankly. We in two thousand fourteen wanted to have celebrate recovery in our church. It used to be at Cornerstone Church in Chandler. But they, about 2011 or 12, they shut it down just because of whatever, whatever they did internally. So 14, I'm looking at this and thinking, our church needs a recovery program in the church. Probably 80% of the people in the church are probably looking at some kind of 
illicit pictures or material, whatever you want to call it, that they probably shouldn't be looking at. Whether it's through Instagram, LinkedIn, or a porn site, there's a lot of garbage out there. And we know it's very, very common. So I really believed, whether it was drugs, alcohol, hurts, hammocks, hangups, whatever, I believe our church needed a recovery program, and we had nothing. So in 2014, a buddy of mine, Mitch, and and myself went to the church leadership and said, let's start to celebrate recovery. And they said, no, they didn't have enough room. It takes a lot of room to set up a celebrate recovery in a church. And I said, well, what's our options? They said, you don't have any. So that was discouraging. But fast forward to 2020, I was sitting with one of the group leaders. He was a small church pastor at Cornerstone. And they had just built a new building. It's like 21, I think. And I, I, I was talking about going across the country, speaking to celebrate recoveries. It was my passion. I knew it was where God was using me. And he said to me, why don't you start celebrate recovery here? And, you know, I'm from Toledo. I'm a product of Toledo Public Schools. And I said, duh. Yeah. <laughs> what am I supposed to say? Of course I will do that. Well, you know, when it's in your heart to do it, ministry is not easy. It's not, doesn't pay in monetary terms. But when it's in your heart to do it, you do it. And that started us getting 12, 14 people in our house every Sunday with dinner and leadership training. And a year later, starting again on September 12th. So wow. that was kind of a big deal. It's interesting how, again, one of those things that God did in my life. Yeah. Um, in 2015, going back, about the same time I initially went to the church about Celebrate Recovery, I was at the K-Love Fan Awards in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. K-Love is a radio station, Christian-based radio station. And we were, uh, I met a guy. I'm, I met a guy. Yeah. I found a guy. <laughs> and this guy was an author. And we're having dinner, and I told him my story, my recovery story. And he said, so tell me a little bit more. And I said, well, I've got... 38 years of sobriety. I've got, um, I've been in recovery for a long time. I do a lot of work in the, in the recovery community. And he said, oh man, that's a story. And I said, cool. And he said, why don't you write a book? I said, no, no. <laughs> I don't know how to write a book. He said, I'll help you. I'll collaborate. At that time I said, no, but a few years, it wasn't months, years later, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, Eric. You know what I mean? Okay. And I wasn't ready. And the reason I wasn't ready is because I didn't have freedom mm. from my addictions. I was clean and sober from drugs and alcohol, but I wasn't clean and sober from porn and massage parlors and illicit behavior based on that. And I'm not proud of that. When I first met my wife in 2015, uh, we got married in 2015. I was clean and sober. I had been years before that. I had struggled with sexual integrity issues, but I got free. And I thought there is no way that I'll ever do that again. I'm getting married. I'm gonna be all in. You want to stop it for the dog bark? No, no, it's fine. The mics won't pick it up. Okay. Yeah. So cut that out. So <laughs> I thought. So I thought I was free. I wasn't, man. Yeah. I slept. Yeah. And uh, when I look back, it was a, about a year after my marriage, I slept. And then a year after that, I slept again. And my wife and I, my wife came up to me and wondered why I was so angry. 
So here I am in recovery, doing work in recovery, and I've got this side gig going on. Yeah. And it wasn't an affair, but it was based on, again, poor pornographic images, massage parlor, that was my drug of choice. I had had freedom, but I went back to it. And I was so devastated that my wife could see it in my soul. And at that point, I told her, I said, here's what happened. She said, I'm going to separate. So we separated for, um, I think it was in June when this happened. I got a, a place. And ironically, if you know anything about recovery, I was in the middle of a step study. And a step study is like 10 months. And I'd been in this step study for about six months previous. And I was in the depths of the step study. And during the step study, I is when I slept. And what I realized was I was getting so raw with my emotions and I didn't bring pre people around me to bounce those emotions off of. I wasn't keeping in contact with my sponsor. I was trying to white knuckle it. I knew I wasn't going to act out. And I did in the middle of the step study. So I had to let my brothers know that was that was I was ashamed of that. And more importantly, I let my wife know. So mm. it it just ripped my heart out. We separated and we would, after about two months, I'd reach out to her and she she at one point decided to pick up the phone. And the reason she did is because the pastor at our church had told her, maybe you need to just sit down and talk to him. And the pastor's wife at our church said, maybe you just need to have coffee with him when he calls. And the result of that was it cracked her a little bit. She was a little bit more willing. So one day I called and we got together for coffee and we started to communicate a little bit. Toward the end of my step study, Eric, I was getting to the point of graduation. I'd had some freedom from this sexual integrity garbage. This had happened in June. It was now uh, September, coming up on the end of September. And I called Mary and I said, hey, I'm graduating from my step study. Will you come? to the graduation and she said i don't think i'm gonna make it mm. two hours later i'm in celebrate recovery and i'm standing there getting ready to go up front and get my award for finishing this and i looked to the left and there she was she had come and what i would tell you about that is any wife that that does that the courage to do that to 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 forgive to not forget not 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 let go of the behavior but forgive the soul of the person for her to do that that was incredible as a matter of fact that was the restart of us and it, it wasn't like oh everything was red roses and high tides it wasn't that way we had rocky stuff but we've learned to get through it together so and again we've only been married eight and a half years but i believe and i really mean this it's a love story yeah and with a wretch like me dude i was a player i was in marriage before i was a lousy uh, lousy husband i was a lousy husband i was a great parent but i was a lousy husband and i always wanted attention mm -hmm. and for me to be in this place now i'm not saying i'm perfect but that being a place where we have this incredible love story is way cool we even got interviewed recently by CBT, which is the Christian Broadcasting Network. I think it's CBN. 
and they're going to they interviewed Mary and I for our story about the breaking up and the reconciliation wow. and how much and really that's all Mary it was her it was her just loving me so much and it was God but one other thing happened when her and I decided decided to start to celebrate recovery I was Again, I had sober. I was free. I've had six years of freedom from sexual integrity issues and porn and massage parlors. But this was a year ago. And when she and I asked her to come aboard with me, it's actually two years ago, right? She said, yes, she would be my co-ministry leader. Now, Mary's normal. Mary got really good grades in school. <laughs> She's a, got a nursing degree. She was never did anything wrong. I mean, she didn't drink. I mean, she was a normie. Mm. And but her previous husband was a doctor. She married a used car salesman. I mean, me? <laughs> what? But she said, no, I want to come along beside you on your Celebrate Recovery. I want to be your co-ministry leader. And I'm coming because I want to support you. Dude. If you've got somebody who loves you, man, don't let yeah. it go, right? And there's so many times in the past I had people that might have loved me, but I didn't know how to love them back. And I think that's the message. I think the message is for us to learn to love ourselves so much that we can let people in when they love us. You know what I mean? Wow. So her and I became partners in this. She since started working on some, some issues she wanted to work on. And it's been a really cool journey, all but by the grace of God. Wow. And I'll kind of land this part on that. In 2013, when I sat in front of that author, I told him I was about, when we talked about the book, I started to write that book in 2019. And the result of that book is it's a 12-step story. Every chapter is a step of the recovery. Step one, I admit. Step two, came to believe. Step three, made the decision and all the way down the line. And they all are indeed steps of my recovery from the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, but also steps of leadership and how powerful those steps of recovery that Bill and Bob put together years ago, decades ago with AA, and I put them into a leadership lesson that all of us can learn so much from if we reframe it to look at it as a personal development leadership lesson. The name of the book is called Keep the Change. Again, it's been out since 2023, June. And um, I'm, I'm really proud is not a word I use, but I'm so grateful. Thank you, brother. <laughs> I'm so grateful that that God guided me in that direction. It's hard to tell the story. There's some parts in there that I think, oh, I told too much. And um, I might not have uh, honored myself as much as I thought I maybe, I there were secrets I didn't want to tell you. But the reality is, is that that's what God told me to do. And I felt very compelled to do that. And I think it's a book that changes lives. Yeah, we'll man. see. It yeah. Seems to it's, be right. uh, you know, it, it's super cool to kind of just touch on on the first thing, the, the beginning of CR, because that's, that's where I had met you. Uh -huh. um, I, I was introduced to Bart through a mutual friend of ours, Wade. Um, shout out Plugged In Recovery, sponsor of the podcast. Um, but, uh, and I've never heard that before. You know, I, I didn't know uh, the whole origin behind it and whatnot. So that's actually really cool to kind of learn that and learn a little bit more about you, man. Um, and now to kind of just transition back into Keep the Change, because there's a lot to unpack here. And um, I think the majority of our audience here on this podcast, we, you know, 
we're a recovery podcast and people are always looking for different things to supplement their programs with, right? And they're looking for different ways to develop themselves and, and to start making healthy, positive life changes. And I think you have a great message, uh, you know, for them. So I just want to see, I mean, walk us through Keep the Change, uh, the inspiration behind it. And for anybody listening, just give them a little promo maybe yeah. uh, of the book and, and walk us through that. Cool. I will. You know, one thing about this book that I know in the first of the year, it'll be an audible book. I also know in about the Are first, you narrating it yourself? I am. You yeah, are? Yeah, wow. Okay. Yeah. Cool. This voice, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it'll also be a... Um, in the first quarter, we're going to have a course based on this. But let me tell you a little bit about the book. And again, from where does it come? I knew that, again, I believed my story had to be told. And I think my story had to be told because I came from a... Um, my dad was a car dealer. My mom was a model. And I won't take you too far back. I know we don't have all day here. But my dad was not very engaged in me growing up. He was... Um, I'm probably, it probably took me some time to forgive him. Um, my grandfather was the one that would take us fishing or going to ball games. I had a brother that was five years older. And we grew up in a nice neighborhood in Perrysburg, Ohio. I mean, how many times do I hear about people that have grown up in the streets? I did not grow up in the streets. So when I hear about people's stories and where they came from, I'm blown away that they got to the other side of that. That wasn't my story. My story is, why in the world would I sabotage something that could have been a really good childhood? But I grew up as a happy kid, and about 10 or 11 started to look at the dysfunction in our home. And it wasn't, I didn't get abused, but my dad was a drunk and never gave me any attention. My mom was a codependent, and she always would say, everything, everything's great. We had 50 mirrors, well, maybe not, 30 mirrors around our home, and image was everything. And again, I'm not proud of this. It was from where I came. So if I didn't look good on the outside, then things weren't good on the inside. And I became a narcissist for decades because of that behavior. I haven't had a situation growing up when I was in high school. I had a big old nose and a floppy ear. And, and my mom said, don't worry, we'll take care of that. It was about the outside. Well, not the inside. And they were Unitarians. I don't have a clue. You'll have to Google it. I don't know what they did. I don't know what Unitarians did. But that was their religious belief. I think it's Una one. But I really I went to church, but I must have slept because I don't remember any of it. And then about 13, I started, I wanted my dad's attention, never got it. So I started hitting the liquor cabinet. And I drank my first liquor at 13. At 14, I poured two big goblets of rum and whiskey, chugged those, went downtown Perrysburg, Ohio, to a place called the Beehive, which is all where all the kids would get together. And obviously, by the time I got to the Beehive, I was lit up like a cheap suit. I mean, I was done. But everybody laughed at me. Everybody liked me. Everybody, everybody wanted to be around me. Bull. Mm. <laughs> they laughed, but they weren't laughing... They were laughing at me, not with me. And I started learning how to lie because every time I drank, I'd lie. So that was the story in the start of my drinking. And the result was I wrecked six cars in high school. The result was early 20s, I started doing cocaine, acid, pills, 
uh, anything I could to get a buzz except heroin because I didn't like needles. The result was at 28 years old, I weighed 150 pounds. I had just had a daughter, and I guess that was probably the wake-up call for me when I had a daughter because a year later, I got busted at work using, and my boss fired me, a big money job, and the next morning, I got on my knees crying to a God I didn't even know at that point, and I got an intuition to go into a treatment center. That was June 15th, 1985. I know most of you weren't even thinking about thinking about it being alive at that point. Your parents <laughs> probably weren't even alive at that point. But that's what happened, 1985. And then after two weeks into the treatment center, the, the counselor came up to me and said, you're too narcissistic. You're not going to make it. I'm going to have to, yeah, uh, I, I think you're, you're, you're not going to be able to stay sober. And I remember, Eric, I was so mad at him, I wanted to punch him in the nose. And I walked away, and then the next day, get this, I'm in the bathroom. And I felt something in one of my pockets of my shirt, and I pulled it out, and it was a gram of cocaine. And I had stuck it in there months earlier. And I opened it, and I looked at it, and then I flushed it down the toilet. Two weeks later, I graduated from that treatment center, and... The result was today I have over 38 years of sobriety wow. from drugs and alcohol one day at a time. Yeah. How'd I do it? Meetings, a lot of AA meetings, sponsor, got on my knees every morning and prayed to God, but I didn't know God. I flipped addictions, went into sexual integrity issues and started deep diving into that. And that ended up being a problem, as I told you earlier, for decades. Mm. But 10 years after I got sober, Jesus found me, and I started on my road to recovery, at least with Jesus on my side. And I'm a slow study, but eventually I got it. Wow. So that's that. And where's, what's that have to do with the book? That's where the story came from. So that's the, that's book the origin, huh? All of that. Yeah. Chapter one admitted we are powerless. And I believe all of us need to admit something, right? Chapter two came to believe. We need to believe in something or we'll fall for anything. Chapter three made a decision in our lives, in our decisions and where is where our lives are at. Chapter four, inventory. If you and I don't really deep dive and look at our inventory, if we don't look at ourselves, we can't grow if we don't know ourselves. Yeah. And if you look at anybody that at, at any level of success or significance or making a mark in the world, it's they have massive, massive, massive self-awareness. And that's what starts happening in chapter four, five, six. If you followed any steps of recovery, it's the same steps. It's just my story in there and then taking those same steps and integrating them with leadership and personal development principles. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's, um, I'm trying to, trying to frame this how I want to say it, but it's just, I feel like, yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe we'll come back to it, but it's just super cool to hear that, right? Because it's, you've got 10 more years of sobriety than I have life in general. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and just from like drugs and alcohol. But what I love most about this story is that you found that 
recovery comes in so many different forms and just, you know, abstinence from drugs and alcohol is only just a small part of like what we can truly become recovered from when, when we take a look, like you said, an honest inventory of our lives, become self-aware of all of these defects of character, all of these shortcomings, all of these fallacies that we have in our lives, and then, you know, learn how a relationship with Jesus Christ can help restore us from that, right? And bring yeah. us back from that. Yeah. And that's what I love most about your story is that it, it, it really highlights that because you don't hear about that a lot. A lot of the time you hear a lot about drugs and alcohol, drugs and alcohol, which is a big part of recovery, but recovery is much more than that. It's a broader spectrum when, when you have so much time away from drinking or using and you still have these problems in your life, you understand that a little bit more yeah. and you understand that, yeah. um, you know, the hurts, habits and hangups don't start and end with drugs and alcohol. Yeah. A lot of the times that's just the entry point. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I love that you uh, touched on that. Now, I did want to ask you this, and this is something that I love getting everyone's perspective on, and it's a question that um, I just love it so much. In recovery, right, or how about this? It's a two-part question. One, what do you define as a successful, happy life? And two, how has recovery helped you on that path? Mm, great question. I will tell you, first of all, I'm going to backdoor the question. The 12 steps have been my lifeblood. It, they really have that, that living my life. That's why I decided to write a book like this because it's been everything to me. How do you get this much time? You only do it by having certain principles and things that you do every day. But I, as I told you when we first started this, I didn't know Jesus. And that story started with me driving down the street in Santa Cruz, California, 10 years sober, a sex addict, married. Uh, at that point, I had some kids. I've, I, I've, I birthed four kids on my side of the tracks. Um, not me birthing them, but you get it. And so I had a small family at the time, and big family maybe. And I, there was a church there called Santa Cruz Bible. And when I saw it, I thought, oh, they got nice cars in the driveway. <laughs> that's, I would, that's, that was me. Image, had to look good. Pulled in, walked in and heard them singing rock and roll, Christian rock and roll songs. I thought, huh, what's this? And then I sat down and I heard the pastor, his name's Chip Ingram, go ahead and Google him. Chip has a program called Living on the Edge. And that day, he also wrote a book on Romans 12, but that day he was talking about Romans 12 too. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will know God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I'm sitting there and thinking, what? I'm living in the world. I'm living the way I want to live. I'm not living the way I'm supposed to live. And it changed everything. It really did. Now, I'd love to be able to tell you that I was a quick study. You already know it. I'm not. But Eric, I wouldn't give up, dude. I wouldn't give up. I wouldn't give up. I wouldn't give up pursuing Christ. And guess what? Christ didn't give up on me. Yeah. I wouldn't give up going to church, even if I was cussing and, and, and looking at porn even after I left. Yeah. I wouldn't give up. And, and because if you'd say, what's success? Success is walking hand in hand with the Lord and living the life that he wants us to live. Because if he wants that for us, he's not gonna put us in Nigeria, living in a grass hut, 
or he might, but in that place where he puts us, we have a sense of peace that we would never have no matter what. I have more peace now in my life than if I had a helicopter pad out back and th- and three Porsches in the driveway. Well, maybe, but I think I do, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I love my life the way it is, but I didn't see it this way. And because it's the relationship with him, I hang out with God every morning, at least for an hour. And in that morning, Eric, I'm transforming my trying to transform my thinking from the old Bart believe it or not, even though it's been decades, to the new Bart, to the rethinking, to be kinder, to be gentler, to be softer, to be a 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is, love is kind brother. Mm. That's, that's what I want to be. I also, because I'm walking in this, I, I do I have a sense of peace. I was in the pit. I was, I was 150 pounds. I, was, I would have died at 30. I would have. I was on the path to that. And today, I've got this incredible life, incredible kids, incredible wife, incredible. I've got a career where, get this, not only do I get to sponsor people that are trying to get sober, but my job is helping leaders become better at home and in the workplace. Mm. It's, It's the same thing, dude. Our small groups is what I do for a living. I do things called masterminds where I get people together that are leaders and we talk about a topic, about developing themselves as leaders. And then I get them one-on-one, like a sponsor-sponsee program, where I get to work with them and get to know them and lead them along the path where they want to go. And it kind of blows me away. Wait a minute. My recovery program, what I do in recovery, is the exact same thing as I do in my business. So I'm absolutely living in obedience. If there's one word, and I hope I answered your question, but I can talk, man. But if there was one word, it's obedience. I was obedient to the book. I was obedient to Celebrate Recovery. I was obedient to my wife. When we went through what we went through, I was going to fight till in the dirt to be a different person than I had been before. And I hate my addiction. Hate it. Hate it. I hated porn. I hated massage parlors. I hated anything that would go along with it. And because I hated it, I would do anything walking side by side with God to get to the other side. Wow. That was great. And yes, you did answer the question. So I love that. (laughs) We like to take the scenic route sometimes, you know, and and I love listening to you talk, man. So that's, that's awesome. And I, and I love what you said just to, to touch on, you know, it's, one step at a time, one day at a time, you know, you're, you're battling through, you know, the addiction with, with porn and whatnot, but you're keep, you keep coming back and you keep coming back. And it's like, we know this to be true. Anybody who's been sober from drugs or alcohol or any, anything in the recovery envelope, you know, for a fact that for the first little bit, it's literally just you got to just come back. Yeah. Like you feel it's like, it's I just like, on, there's not, there's nothing more deep than that. It's like your first like year of sobriety is mostly you're just crawling towards yes. that. Yeah. You're like, I just got to yeah. keep coming back, keep coming back. And eventually you'll see that transformation happen. And so that's a great message, man. Now I got a question that I thought of as well. What is your favorite step of the 12 steps? Which one is your favorite and why? Wow. Even though it's the one I don't like the most, it's probably step four. 
Yeah. Because it really, you know, I am so, I'm going to get emotional about it. I am so believing that I need to get off this river in Egypt called denial. Right. Mm. And, and going into step four, I'm, I just finished a step study and I just started another one with a group of pastors because I wanted to open up maybe some, some I, I say wounds, but doors that I opened just a few months ago, I wanted to make sure those things didn't close without me getting through this with a group of pastors that I could be really safe around. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I, I love that because it just forces me to crack open Bart and get to know Bart so well because the more I get to know me, the more I love me. And I don't have, I'm not ashamed of me anymore. There is one thing I think is a misnomer about all of this though. And we always say it's one day at a time. Eric, I don't think it is, man. I think it's one second at a time. You know, I think it really is. The more I can bring Christ into everything I do, our time together, our, our, you know, the the time when I was in my office ten minutes earlier, the time when I go get a a biscuit out of the because <laughs> there's no food in the house right now. When I when I go into a drawer, every bringing Christ into everything, bring the Holy Spirit into everything. That is who I want to be. It really is, and I don't. Maybe I'm sure anybody can relate. Sometimes I go to stinking thinking, and I hate stinking thinking. But you know what the difference is? In the past, I would used to go there and spend three days in a motel room somewhere. You know what I mean? Now, I go there for about 15 seconds and say, Jesus, Jesus, and I'm flipped. It might not even be 15 seconds. It might be five, but it's not a whole lot longer than that now. Thank God. And that, that, that's the gift of doing that four-step. The first, the ones up to that are huge. Step one is huge because you got to admit, if you don't admit, we're not even here. Yeah. But step four, for sure. Thank you for asking that. Yeah. The the dreaded inventory, man. That's uh, that's where <laughs> oh, the rubber awful. meets the road, you know? <laughs> I did, they, they call it the one, two, three shuffle. And for years when I was trying to, to get sober, that was literally my MO. It's like get through one through three. Oh, now I got to do something. I'm out. Yeah. You know, and yeah. then uh, let's try it again. Let's try it again. <laughs> so and, good. Uh, eventually, you know, you get pen to paper and you start writing stuff down. And I remember when I was writing down like my inventory of like all of these things and asked me who am I resentful at? I was like holding on to stuff from like elementary scores. I still remember when this one kid that one time did this and I just didn't understand how deep it really went. And it's just like, I had like alcoholism. I struggled with all of that long before I ever took my first drink. I always Mm. had this, I was always trying to orchestrate things in my life and I always trying to like put control into situations and always trying to get people to act how I wanted them to act or like situations to be how I wanted to be. Long before I ever found uh, alcohol, I was doing these behaviors in my life and it wasn't until step four when I did a searching and fearless inventory of myself, put away all of the, the fears of being judged, put away all the fears of not being accepted and getting that down on paper. And then I, you examine it. And that's when I started learning about myself. Like you said, you know what? 
I had alcoholism long before any uh, anything of that got know. into my life. Yeah. It's like all of these uh, insecurities, all of these fears, all of these uh, issues with control were present in my life from a very young age. Yep. And I they know. just manifested themselves into drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. when I got of age. And that was the only way I could cope with it, right? And then yeah. that just became my life. But what a great, what a great answer. Not a lot yeah. of people say step four, yeah. but that's a great one. You know why? Because it's hard. Yeah. And I don't want to do easy, man. Yeah. You know, when you're the season of life that I am, my mom lived to 97, so who knows? I could be here a while. My dad lived in 58, so who knows? I'm way past that. Right. So the the reality is, is that when you're in this season, I want to do the work that I have to do, the hard work. There's no easy here. And I want to accomplish a lot while I'm on this planet. You know, one thing that I learned like three weeks ago or three months ago in a therapy with a, with a guy is that I'm ADD. Well, no kidding, right? I knew that, but it never had anybody actually tell me that. But actually, part of that is a misnomer too. Yes, I have focus issues, no doubt about it. But the ADD for me is I want attention. I want attention any from any place I can get it. And to me, that is my death stare because I have to... I used to love Eric being on stage in front of 2,000 people because that was 4,000 eyes that are looking at me, right? I was getting all this attention. It was like the biggest rush I'd ever had. It's not that I don't like that, because I do, but I will tell you my greatest victory comes having a one-on-one with another soul and going deep, even in these kinds of conversations. That's where God's using me now. Because, you know, if I had been Tony Robbins 20 years ago, I would have been dead because I couldn't have handled that. And I'm believing that God's pointed that out to me a number of times. I would have given this to you before. You worked hard enough for it, but you would have destroyed yourself. And so I'm and it's hard for us to get this, but we're exactly the place that we're supposed to be. Right. Right. Yeah. We have to trust in that. Right. Yeah. That's good, man. That was probably one of the better answers to that question I've ever got. That was that was great. I do have one more thing, too. This is something that every single guest on the podcast gets asked. And it, obviously, we have to ask it. You guys know what time it is. Viewers know what time it is. It's the odd or God pod. So, you know, is it odd or is it God? Everyone's got those moments in their life and their recovery journey where they had to look at themselves and say, wow. That was God. You know, is it mm. odd or is it God? Mm. A God shot, if you will, as mm. some people refer to him. I mean, do you have any that are notable or what was the first one that came to your mind? Dude, there I mean, there was it was so nord they were so notable. I can't say it, but you know what I'm saying. Six months before I went into treatment. Now remember, I didn't know Jesus. I believed there was a God, but I didn't know who it was. I happened to run in, remember I said we had all those mirrors in our house? Yeah. I happened to run into a buddy of mine, Bobby Joe. And Bobby Joe looked great. Now, at this point, I'm weighing, again, 150 pounds, partying all day long. I was a nightmare. And I looked at him and said, dude, you look good. What happened? He said, I went to rehab. I said, what's rehab? He said, "It's a, I went to 30 days to get clean and sober. And I said, wow. He said, yeah, I haven't drank or used in two years. I said, oh, wow, that's amazing. Now, I walked away from him thinking, i got to do something. But I didn't let him know that. It was like, hey, cool, man, good for you. Take care, bro. If you ever want to party again, let me know. Right? right. That type yeah. of BS, right? Oh, yeah. And, 
And I got in the car and I, I started to cry. I thought, I need that. Next day, I called them. And I called the, the lady at the treatment center and I said, hey, I want to come see you. She said, come see me. I sat down in front of her. I said, I want to go to treatment. What's it about? She said, well, I just need 30 days, seven days a week. I said, I can't do that. I'm a big guy. I'm kind of an important dude. She said, I don't, I don't know what to do. Go to an A meeting. Go to NA. Can't help you. I cried again. Six months later, I walked into the dealership I worked at at night. My boss caught me in the bathroom doing a line of cocaine. The next morning, he fired me. Next morning after that, I was on my knees, again, crying to that God that knew me, but I didn't know. And all of a sudden, I got an intuition to call that treatment center, wow. and they had one bed, and that changed everything. Divine timing. Yeah. That's what that is. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. The seed is the seed always gets planted long before yes. you know uh, we we find sobriety and we find Amen. recovery. But yeah, incredible story. I that's my, that's my absolute favorite thing about this podcast is just being able to learn learn more about people. But then also, I love hearing about those God shots, those moments where even if in that moment you probably didn't attribute that to God, you probably didn't attribute that to divine timing. But now in your current you know life you can look back on that and say wow the you, the dots really did connect right yeah. and you were on that trajectory yeah. to something that you couldn't have ever foreseen when you were in that dealership getting caught at night you yeah. know yeah and i'd like to just say i mean this for me and i don't mean it for others if you had a father that that just didn't even acknowledge you and that wasn't quite the case in my point we had we you know, my dad had a boat Right, we had a nice car. He was a car dealer. Yeah, I wrecked six cars in high school. Every time I'd wreck a car, he'd give me another one. So I was enabled. That was the difference. That was where my lifestyle was different. My parents enabled me, kind of maybe to get me out of the way because I was kind of a pain. But they never really gave me the affection, and I always sought it. And I don't blame them. I I'm not a victim here. It was my fault. I look in the mirror and say, you know what? There's many kids that could have gone through that and been just fine. I have a brother who's five years older. He went through that and was just fine. But I didn't. I was the one who put all that on me. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's true. There's a lot of people, if you've been abused or you've been beat up or, you know, you, please, please know. I get it. I get that that's awful. That wasn't my case. And I have a master's in stupidity. You don't. You mm. were a victim. I have a master's in stupidity and a doctor in dumb. Yeah. A and victim a, of self. Yes. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that are listening to this that can probably relate to that too. Oh, yeah. And if that's the case, if you've been abused, get help. And and realize you you are a victim here. If you have not been abused, if you made the, the stupid decisions like me, come on, man, go get help too. Yep. Get out of that. Start looking yourself in the mirror and quit blaming other people. Yeah, yeah. that's that's so good because that's the and and what's funny too is people like I remember I got a D, one of my first DUIs right when I was twenty one years old and they made me go to AA and I remember thinking to myself like. Oh, like, hey, they're just going to teach me how to be sober, right? <laughs> like, that's what that's what these people do. They teach me how to just not drink. 
And then it wasn't until like six years later when I finally like, you know, went to treatment and, and got into the program, started learning more. You learn that really what the 12 steps of recovery is, is freedom from the bondage of self. Mm -hmm. You understand that an altruistic life is the only way to get out of the selfishness and self-centered that might that's within me. And that's my problem. My problem is that I only ever want to think about Eric and how things affect me and how every situation's happening to me or for me and everyone's either with me or they're against me. It's me, 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 me. And there's no God when there's me at the center of my life. Amen. You know? And then you learn that the spiritual basis, right, the principles of the 12 steps, if they are applied to my everyday life, like I will be rid of the problem of wanting to drink or use, right? But it's not a design to stay sober. It's a design to recover, Oof, right? Love that, yeah. And that's and that's crazy. And and you just mentioned it, right? It's about getting out of self, getting out of self. Yeah, that's what recovery is. Yeah, yeah. And I had to, you know, it wasn't an accident that I stayed sober for thirty-eight years. I made an absolute yeah. decision, Eric. And I so, you know, we talked about hated sexual integrity. I would anything for anything in the world give up all those decades of stupid I did with that to get free and clean and sober. I hated, hated, hated alcohol and that piece of me with my daughter coming and other kids coming. And I hated it so much, but I was scared to death, Eric, of going back to that bar. I was scared to death of having one more drink. I was scared to death of having one more line. And I was of the belief that I cannot do that. I will never come back. Now, is that true? Probably not. I probably would have come back. But look what happened to me with the sexual integrity stuff. I kept going and slipping and I came back, but it took time. It took decades. It took all that pain and a loss of life. I mean, I blew a lot of years yeah. and I'm trying to make it up now. And yet, what's the message? The message is you do not have to go back. If you're, in the, if you're clean one day, you don't need to go back there anymore. If you haven't looked at porn today, you don't need to go back there anymore. This is your, you've picked up your mat and you're walking hand in hand in obedience with who the Lord wants us to be. Mm. And man, I have to pay attention to that. Yeah. I have no right to turn around and go back. I just don't. So I'm so grateful for that fact that I was scared to death. I walked in fear a lot in my life over a lot of things. I didn't try new things sometimes because I was fearful. I didn't say hi to the girl sometimes because I was fearful. But the reality is I didn't drink again because I was fearful. And I'm grateful for that fear. And right now, frankly, I know this. I do not have another one in me. If I slipped, then I don't have another one in me with any of the things that I've made my past. Yeah. Absolutely not. That was good, man. I appreciate it. Let's. Uh, I, I also want to get this in there, too, because uh, I found that a lot of our viewers and listeners are very early in recovery. A lot of people find us on TikTok and Instagram, and I get DMs every week from people, and they always have like these preliminary questions if I have referrals to treatment centers, blah, 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 blah. But 
I love asking this as well because it, it's just it's great stuff to put out there for people who are actually watching our stuff. Uh, for anybody who's watching, right, and they're on the fence about going to treatment, they're on the fence about maybe moving into sober living or even just reaching out for help or trying to attend an AA meeting or whatever it is, right? Somebody who's curious about recovery but fearful of what it all entails. What Do you have any pieces of uh, advice or any words of encouragement for them? Man, you got You know, the steps are the steps for a reason. For one thing, get your butt to a meeting, whatever that means. And I, you know, there's some things we just hear that we just roll our eyes. Go to a meeting, pivot, right? <laughs> some of those words, yeah, right? Pivot, coach. You know, here's here's the deal. That's what you got to do, man. If you can afford a therapist, go get one, right? If you can't, get to a meeting. If you can afford to go to a treatment center, how did I get sober the first time? I'm a kind of an anomaly. It's because of the fact, a couple things. One is because it was a great program. And another reason was because my roommate OD'd the day after he got out of heroin. And it's, again, it scared me. And it helped scared me straight all these years to stay sober. Get to a meeting, man. Talk to somebody. You know the hardest thing to do is pick up the darn phone and call somebody and i know this stuff sounds so cliche but it it is for a reason if you and i call let's say eric was my accountability partner and i call him every day and then one day feel like slipping but i continue to call him then that moment i feel like slipping guess who i'm gonna call i'm gonna call eric because i built that muscle of calling eric that's why you have phone numbers not to check in for the small talk most of the time it is small talk, but every once in a while, man, you're going to have a 911 where that call's really the real deal. And you've got to make sure there's somebody on the other end that can talk you off the ledge, sometimes literally. So follow the steps, get a sponsor, get a accountability partners. If you can go to a treatment program, go for it. If you don't have a place to live, thank God for sober living places to go to. Thank you for for what you guys are doing because the reality is you're saving lives. You're absolutely saving lives. And if nothing else, you're gonna before we leave, you're gonna have my number. Call if you need to, if you're struggling, or you say, Hey man, what would you do about this? I am all over that. But also get a group of phone numbers that you can call and get to meetings. Look, it's gonna be the hardest thing you ever do. Yeah. There's nothing harder, man. And if so, if sobriety isn't your number one thing, more important than your family, more important than making money, more important than anything else, you won't stick with it. If it's more important for you to hang out with your family than go to a meeting, if you have a chance of not working your program and you could slip, then you're going to lose your family anyhow. Mm. That's why it's so important. Put it first everything else will fall into place. My I, Last thing, I have 10 values I write down every day. Every morning, back in my backyard, my perfect place. And the first one is God over all of it. God's my number one. I give everything to God. All of it is about God. My next one is my recovery. If I don't have my recovery, I'm dead. My next one, I'm my health. I've got to work out to stay alive. My next one's my wife, Mary, and then my kids, and then personal development and relationships and down the line. My point is those first five, especially one, two, three, man, you've got, you've got to have that mm. in that order. 
Yeah, man. They say they say um, anything you put before your recovery, you'll you'll lose something like that. I I don't think I said that right, but you guys know what I'm talking yeah, about. That's that's uh, it though, yeah. right? Isn't that true? Anything we put for in, before recovery, my Porsche, you're gonna lose it. If yeah. it's that's that's why my counselor thought I wasn't gonna make it because I put other things before him, right? That's why they say you need a low bottom bull you know what no you don't dude if you're at the place now where you want to be done you're done but if you're not at the place no matter how i've seen people in the streets that have marks all over them and their 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 skin diseases all over them and they're living under a tent and they're not ready yet no why do you have to be that you don't have to do that and that's where with all the support systems we've got around us tap into them yeah, that's awesome too. And, and I promise we'll wrap up, but it's just, uh, just to touch on that because it says in, in the big book, right? Where it's like, we are a lot, we're a group of uh, men and women who would normally not mix. And like, that's something that's so like, it, I can't stress it enough because there's a stigma like Bart was touching on of what an alcoholic or what an addict looks like, but you get into recovery and you meet people that are in recovery and you understand that it's like alcoholism, drug addiction, addiction of any type is no discriminator, right? And it doesn't matter your like so economic well. status. It doesn't matter your social status. It doesn't matter your upbringing, your location. It affects people across the board the yep. same way. Yep. And it's that shared experience, right? that allows us to help each other in a fellowship to to gain recovery from that but there is no discrimination when it comes to to addiction as a whole yeah and you know as a recovering sex addict which i hate saying that um but with freedom from sexual integrity issues there's not a whole lot more shame than that too right especially if you're married because it's one thing to come home to your wife and say, hey, I drink today. Well, that's obviously that's awful. You come home and said, hey, honey, I went to look at girls and, and or I went to have relations with another person. That, that crushes, crushes, yeah. crushes the wife of your spouse and your kids while you're at it. So, yes, there's shame involved that revolves around all of it. None more than, none more than others, but I'm believing that 80% of the people sitting in a church have some kind of an addiction. Yeah. And we really believe that. And everybody's an addict in some way, mm-hmm. right? They, I mean, if you think about it, I used to be addicted to milk. Yeah. So everybody's addicted to something. Yeah, and, and it's funny because I, I've said this so many times like with just like conversations, but I, I truly believe that anybody, regardless of where they're at, would benefit from working the 12 steps. Amen. It's like you can apply it to anything from like you're just not satisfied with where you're at professionally or you're not – you can apply those 12 steps and you can yeah. go in. It's like, one, okay, I'm powerless over this situation. Two, I need something greater than man to yes. rely on for this three i'm going to give my life and my will over to that power that's greater than myself and then four i'm going to take an inventory of everything in my life what am i resentful at what's holding me up then i'm going to share that with somebody else i'm going to share that with god and then i'm going to learn what defects of character that i have because of everything that i just shared then i'm going to ask god to remove those shortcomings from me then i'm going to make a list of everyone that i've harmed up to this point then i'm going to go out and make amends to those people Mm -hmm. so i don't have to live that way anymore then i'm going to continuously do that process every day as a little filter and i'm going to look at where where was i 
resentful? Who did I hurt today? Where where did I fall short? And I'm going to address that promptly each day. And then I'm going to pray and I'm going to meditate and I'm going to build a relationship with God. And then as, as I do all of that, I'm going to have a spiritual experience and then I can help somebody else do that. Oof. You can apply that to every situation Everything. in your life. Everything. Yeah. That's why I did the book. Yeah. You just, you, you summed it up. We could have saved ourselves 40 <laughs> because that's why I did the book. Yeah. Because it's a, best personal development tools on the planet yeah i didn't write them but i walked them yeah. and i'm who i am today because i listened yeah yeah, yeah that's so good man that's awesome Great man job. well bart i just i mean guys real quick again and and we'll have it on the screen we have links in the bio if you're listening to us on spotify google Podcasts, apple Podcasts. um the uh links will be in the description of the episode um also you can find us on youtube and click in straight from there it's keep the change bart nolenberger will have his information on there as well as um you know amazon links stuff like that if you guys loved his story and you want to learn more about the the book um, I would highly recommend it. And if you're local here in the Valley, like most of you are, Cornerstone Church in Chandler, Monday nights, meet him yourself. Yep. Um, <laughs> also, it's not on the big A yet. It will be next month. We had a strategy for that. Okay. It's on my website, keepthechangebook.org. That's keepthechangebook.org is where you get it. And next month, it'll be available on the other as well. Okay, perfect. And um, also, guys, you know, we just have to do a quick shout out to Plugged In Recovery. If you are somebody you love or struggling with addiction and you're looking for a safe, licensed, sober living environment to help get your life back on track, give us a call at 612-505-5494 or visit www.azsober.com. Um, Brett, uh, Bart, thank you so much. Yeah, hey, it's thank you. That was, that thank was, you that was truly awesome, man. Yeah. Thank you to tell what give Wade my high fives Yep, and appreciate what you're doing, man. You really are. You're making a huge difference. And you know, it's so interesting age being not a, a, a limit, a boundary, you know, I feel like we're brothers. Right? <laughs> That's awesome. You're, you're the older brother I never had. Yeah. Why older? Why Whoa, didn't you just, well, why you okay. just say brother? <laughs> you're my brother. You're my brother. There is no way. I, I, I appreciate it, man. That was super awesome. I'm sure as we continue developing the podcast and we get a studio and stuff, we'll have you on again sometime you. um you know i just i love that chat dude so yeah, me too i appreciate Good it stuff anything Thank else you. you know what you guys you know how to get a hold of me <coughs> facebook instagram bart nolenberger facebook bart nolenberger instagram youtube bart nolenberger linkedin bart nolenberger and you already heard about keep the changebook.org thank you god bless you and again my phone number will be on this bio too so if you need to call me do it okay god bless you guys appreciate you see you guys next week